Bottom line, up front. A secret Mueller investigation just disclosed Wednesday, October 14th, reveals a bribe by the state of Egypt directly to Donald Trump during the 2016 campaign, making him the paid agent of a hostile foreign power. I'm Eric Garland. After 20 years delivering intelligence to world leaders, a mobster owned by Russia took the White House, and I started giving daily intelligence briefs directly to the people. This is Game Theory Today, your source for global events, clear analysis, and appropriate profanity. Guys, it's time for some Game Theory. This episode will be a little different. It will dive into the biggest revelation of the week. It looks like the 45th president of the United States may have been bribed by a foreign power in the last few weeks of the 2016 campaign, and then that bribe was potentially covered up. A bribe was apparently paid by the Egyptian state itself to Donald J. Trump in his personal capacity in the last few weeks of the 2016 campaign. That money was then laundered by Trump himself into his campaign, which, he, which then used it in his successful quest to become president of the United States. We know of an in-person meeting between Trump and Egyptian President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi on September 18th, 2016. Also in attendance was future Attorney General Jeff Sessions and future Assistant to the President for National Security Affairs and former head of the Defense Intelligence Agency, General Michael Flynn. That meeting was evidently facilitated by Trump's semi-official campaign advisor, George Papadopoulos, and his future White House chief strategist, Steve Bannon. Trump's first overseas meeting was to Riyadh on May 20th, 2017, to sign the largest arms deal in world history with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. The $350 billion deal involved the transfer of tanks, combat ships, missile defense systems, as well as radar, communications, and cybersecurity technology. The excuse for this deal was to counter Iran. And you may recall that strange picture of Trump fondling a globe. Glowing, remember that, that stupid thing? Joining him in that picture are two other men, King Salman of Saudi Arabia and President al-Sisi of Egypt. Much is made of Trump's countless ties to Russia and with good reason, but it cannot be overstated how much Trump was compromised, owned by Egypt and any other state with an intelligence service aware of this hidden cash payment. This, much more than any group of young prostitutes urinating on a bed in Moscow, is kompromat, the compromising materials used by Russian intelligence and others to control assets, particularly politicians, in adversarial nations. This means that Donald J. Trump has been owned by foreign powers from before his electoral victory in 2016. It's important to note just how much more direct and damning this story is, even compared to the existing information we have about his compromise by foreign nations in the Mueller report and elsewhere. Yes, the story of meeting with Russian spies for dirt on Hillary Clinton is bad, but it is still indirect. 
the product of a hostile, a hostile foreign intelligence service would be the worst kind of in-kind bribe for a presidential candidate, but it's indirect. And yes, the story of Paul Manafort giving a Russian intelligence officer, Konstantin Kilimnik, the GOP's proprietary polling data for exploitation by Russian military intelligence or whoever else is grotesque, but it's still indirect for Trump. These are men in his employ, data he did not collect personally, data handed to an intermediary, and services provided that he probably couldn't quite envision. The Egyptian gift of $10 million is materially different. It came from a foreign bank directly to Donald J. Trump as an individual. As an individual, he gave it to finance his Republican Party campaign for president. That money then went to pay salaries of his staffers. It then went to ad buys. It was crucial to his ability to continue his cash-strapped run for the presidency that year. And it was critical to his ultimate success and his ascension to the most powerful political office in the world. And then every single action taken after that was with the knowledge that he was literally indebted to a foreign dictatorship. The last possible fig leaf targeted by the Mueller investigation was that this was made through a private bank. So the Mueller investigation subpoenaed the records. The Egyptian bank's only defense, and it sought a defense so that Robert Mueller could not receive this information, was that the bank was in fact merely part of the Egyptian state itself and thus immune to a subpoena from a United States court. Now, there's some complexity there with regards to finance, the rule of law, and statecraft that probably needs to be unpacked. First, to be able to process funds through to American bank accounts, an institution would need to be officially recognized as a legitimate entity. If it were private, then a U.S. court could serve a subpoena on it, as the Southern District of New York Federal Court has done with Turkey's Hulk Bank, for example. But if it is part of a nation state itself, then it ceases to be a private entity that could be served with a subpoena. There's an issue of parties. If you want something to work in court, you gotta, it's got to be the right party or they can object to things like that. So you got to have two parties that are separate and that are appropriate. Well, you can't subpoena a country. You can subpoena a bank if it's a company by itself, but not a country. So that request would then become a diplomatic one occurring between two nation states. That is the defense that the Egyptian bank has apparently made, that the putative loan to Trump as an individual citizen came from the state of Egypt itself. Thus, the State Department of the United States would have to take it up directly with SCC's government. By making that defense, the bank is claiming that Donald Trump's campaign was financed directly by the dictatorship of Egypt. Trump was thus bribed by a foreign state, which he knowingly accepted and then covered up for his entire presidency. 
It means that the Republican Party also took part in this bribery cover-up scheme. There has never been a scandal like this in American history. And let's just remember who Trump is owned by. Because when you get a bribe like this, you're owned. It's why they make the bribes. Once you know about it, they don't have to even say it. They don't have to talk about it. You know and they know. And that's how you're owned. So let's consider his paymaster, Abdel Fattah Saeed Hussein Khalil Assisi. Sisi was born in Cairo. After joining the Egyptian army, he held a post in Saudi Arabia before enrolling in the Egyptian Army Command and Staff College. In 1992, Sisi trained at the Joint Services Command and Staff College at Watchfield, Oxfordshire in the UK. In 2006, he trained at the United States Army War College in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Sisi eventually became Director of Military Intelligence. After the Egyptian Revolution of 2011 and the election of Mohamed Morsi, to the Egyptian presidency, Sisi was appointed Minister of Defense uh, in August 2012, replacing uh, Hussein Tatawi, who came from the Mubarak era. Sisi was involved in the military coup that removed then-President Mohamed Morsi from office on the 3rd of July 2013 in response to the June 2013 Egyptian protests. Sisi dissolved the Egyptian constitution of 2012 and proposed along with leading opposition and religious figures, a new political roadmap, which included voting for a new constitution. Um, Morsi was replaced by an interim president, Adli Mansour, who appointed a new cabinet. The interim government really cracked down on the, the Muslim Brotherhood. On the 14th of August, 2013, police carried out uh, a massacre in Rabah, killing hundreds of civilians, wounding thousands leading to a crackdown from the international community. Uh, the place needed a president, and uh, Sisi retired from his military career and announced he would run as a candidate in the 2014 presidential election. Let us remember how important 2014 was as a year. Crimea, shooting planes out of the sky, that kind of thing. The election, held between the 26th and 28th of May, featured one opponent, Hamdin Sabahi. Uh, it had only 47% participation, and Sisi won with a landslide victory of 97% of the vote. He was sworn into office on the 8th of June, 2014. Sisi is an autocrat. Uh, the Egyptian military has no check on its power. Its elections are not free or fair if the 97% vote total didn't tip you off there. The regime has apparently employed torture, extrajudicial killings, demolishing people's homes, sexual violence against critics of the regime, uh, all forms of ugliness. That is who owns the 45th president of the United States and has every single day since September 2016. So this matter has come up in the Mueller investigation, as well as before the House Intelligence Committee, which means Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, Devin Nunes, and other scumbags almost surely know all about it, given their clearances. 
In the Mueller report, this comes up under issues with Mike Flynn. It was Egypt's resolution in the UN about Israel settlements that Flynn was discussing with Russian ambassador Sergei Kislyak, and I'm going to do this in the all caps version, from the Dominican Republic on unsecured consumer lines, because I got to yell that. Uh, It was Egypt that Flynn lied about. So from the Mueller report, uh, you've got... uh, Contacts with and through Michael T. Flynn, incoming National Security Advisor Mike Flynn, was the transition team's primary conduit for communications with the Russian ambassador and dealt with Russia on two sensitive matters during the transition period, a UN Security Council vote and the Russian government's reaction to the United States' imposition of sanctions for Russia's interference in the 2016 election. Um, Skipping to the United Nations vote on... Israeli settlements on December 21st, 2016, Egypt submitted a re- resolution to the UN Security Council calling on Israel to cease settlement activities in the Palestinian territory. The Security Council, which includes Russia, was scheduled to vote on the resolution the following day. There was speculation in the media that the Obama administration would not oppose the resolution. Uh, according to Flynn, The transition team regarded the vote as a significant issue and wanted to support Israel by opposing the resolution. On December 22nd, 2016, multiple members of the transition team, as well as President-elect Trump, communicated with foreign government officials to determine their views on the resolution and to rally support to delay the vote or defeat the, the resolution. Kushner led the effort for the transition team. Flynn was responsible for the Russian government. Minutes after an early morning phone call with Kushner on December 22nd, Flynn called Kislyak. According to Flynn, he informed Kislyak about the vote and the transition team's opposition to the resolution and requested that Russia vote against or delay the resolution. Later that day, President-elect Trump spoke with Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi about the vote. Ultimately, Egypt postponed the vote. Uh, And just a reminder... These idiots are on and around Trump. These guys didn't realize that what they're doing there, it doesn't really matter what that vote was. It's the fact that they're screwing around with foreign governments to make United States policy. And once anybody knows about that, any of those countries know about it, their intelligence services know about it. They own those guys because they can be exposed as traitors. There, there's no better compromise. You have all the sex with goats you want. This is treason. This is being owned by foreign powers. And that is how stupid these people are and what they're up to. This is, this is the stuff that got Flynn in hot water with the FBI. Now, generally, you know, 18 U.S. Code, subsection 1001, lie into the FBI, generally dumb, will you know, they have a transcript of what you said by the time they're talking to you. And if you lie to them, then you get whacked with it. It's standard operating procedure and pretty easy if you're stupid and you lie to the FBI. Um, well, and this is what Flynn got popped for. Flynn made false statements about calls he had pre- previously made to representatives of Russia and other countries regarding a resolution submitted by Egypt to the United Nations Security Council on December the 21st, 2016. Specifically, Flynn stated that he only asked the country's positions on how they would vote on the resolution and that he did not request any of the countries take any particular action on the resolution. That statement was false. 
On December 22nd, 2016, Flynn called Kislyak, informed, of the inco- informed him of the incoming Trump administration's opposition to the resolution and requested that Russia vote against or delay the resolution. Flynn also falsely stated that Kislyak never described Russia's response to his December 22nd request regarding the resolution. Kislyak, in fact, told Flynn in a conversation on December 23rd, 2016, that Russia would not vote against the resolution if it came to a vote. See the Flynn Statement of Offense. Uh, Flynn made these false statements to the FBI at a time when he was serving as national security advisor and when the FBI had an open investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election, including the nature of any links between the Trump campaign and Russia. Flynn's false statements and omissions impeded and otherwise had a material impact on that ongoing investigation. Uh, That was, I believe, led by Peter Strzok, who describes it in his book, entitled, oddly enough, Compromise, in case anyone's wondering what's going on there. Elsewhere in the Mueller report, Egypt policy also came up in the Center for the National Interest meeting with Dimitri Simes and others in the summer of 2016. You remember uh, CNI, they put together the meeting with Kislyak at the Mayflower Hotel, uh, where everyone got to hang out with... uh, the Russian ambassador and and talk foreign policy in April of 2016 or so. Um, Jeff Sessions asked Saunders of the CNI to draft memos about Hillary Clinton's foreign policy shortcomings on Egypt. And at the CC meeting in September 2016, Trump attended with two partners, Jeff Sessions and Mike Flynn. So then we get to who set this whole Egypt meeting up for September 2016. George Papadopoulos and Steve Bannon. That too is dealt with in the Mueller report. They've got uh, they've got copies of George Papadopoulos's notes that he took. Those notes, which are reprinted in part below, appear to refer to potential September 2016 meetings in London with representatives of, quote, the office of Putin and suggest that uh, Walid Faris, Sam Clovis and Papadopoulos would attend without the official backing of the campaign. Uh, and the notes sort of go, uh, September, we have exploratory meeting or lose in September. If allowed, they will blast Mr. Trump. We want the meeting in London. Walid, Sam, me, no official letter, no message from Trump. So there's some plausible deniability uh, that they're seeking, which also could be viewed as um, consciousness of guilt, depending if it's a prosecution. They are talking to us. It's a lot of risk. Office of Putin. By the way, how's your career going if you're, if one of your notes you know, in your meeting is Office of Putin? I mean, just where are you in life, I ask. Explore. We are a campaign. Off. Israel, and then big capital, Egypt, willingness to meet the foreign minister with Walid Sam, blah, blah, blah. Now, was George successful? Well, obviously the meeting happened, so there was some form of success, but we also have another record from his now wife, Simona Mangiante, supposedly from Caserta, Italy. Uh, she showed up before Adam Schiff's committee with no attorney, because, you know, it's all, all good. I, I, you, know, you know, if you're talking about any any uh, proceedings that you don't want any legal help for, you can go pro se on definitely meeting before the house intelligence committee. Just, you know, you know, just Bogart that yourself. So, um, 
This is Mangiante, uh, her, her statement uh, around George Arasha and the other things. Uh, no, he had no ties with George. They don't have any ties with Russia whatsoever. As a, let's say, someone who's seeking for political connection, when he happened to meet in Rome, someone that was going to be a policy advisor to the Trump campaign, he targeted him as probably an interesting person to be in touch with. I know because, as I said, I didn't even know George at the time. So, I mean, my contribution is, according to what George told me, is that Mifsud was acting very big, saying he had a lot of, I mean, he said he had a lot of connection to Russia and he could help organize a meeting between Trump and Putin so he could be the middleman for this introduction to give him access. So George was, in very, was very enthusiastic because, of course, he wanted to impress. As a young, you know, when you work in politics, you want to do your best to impress your boss. And I think, as he tried to do with the Egyptian president successfully, he tried to do with Putin unsuccessfully through Mifsud. Um, so, he tried everybody, as uh, Simona Mangiante says a bit later in response to a, a question from Congressman Quigley, did George talk to you about what he had hoped to accomplish in the campaign besides setting up a meeting, a meeting between candidate Trump and President Putin? Well, actually, he told me that, first of all, as a foreign policy advisor, was trying to do the same job with other foreign leaders. So he successfully organized a meeting with Sisi in Egypt and was trying to develop contacts with the Japanese government and the British governments. Uh, Mr. Swalwell, Eric Swalwell on uh, House Intel Committee, has uh, a little more background of how much they know. And this had been the summer of 2017. Swalwell says, one witness has informed us that in September 2016, George and Steve Bannon were engaged directly with Egyptian officials to organize candidate Trump's meeting with Egyptian President Sisi, which eventually took place on September 19th, 2016. And according to one witness, Bannon and Papadopoulos met in Washington with Egyptian officials to work out meeting details. You mentioned in your own statement last December that George set up Donald Trump's meeting with Egypt's President Sisi. What is your understanding about George's role in that meeting and arranging it? It was coordinating the meeting, coordinated all the, everything to make the meeting possible. I think he had contacts in Egyptian embassy and that through those contacts, he tried to set up a meeting and he succeeded. Uh, so we know what's going on here. We know who did what for the most part, but something else needs to be highlighted. You need to go back to the Rod Rosenstein memo and what it constrained. It did not allow f analysis of Don Donald J. Trump's finances. And in fact, we know from this story that that's come out a couple days ago, that Mueller was afraid to be fired. They had to be very careful about what they looked at. And that's why this fourth investigative arm was kept a secret because it was going at the money and it wasn't just Russia. It wasn't Russian interference. It wasn't, um, is George Papadopoulos an agent of Israel? Though that's not, you know, we haven't heard enough about that yet, right? This is about money from Egypt to Trump as a person. And I believe you got that nice coaching from Maggie Haberman uh, in one of those uh, one of those interviews they had directly with Trump. Isn't there like a red line he shouldn't cross? You know, like 
your finances or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can't look at my finances. That's right. Can't look at my finances. Interesting how they knew what to focus on there. But um, it's his personal finances, not the Trump organization necessarily, though that may be, have been one of the, uh, the conduits. It's not about his, his real estate per se. It's, he took $10 million from a foreign government through his personal accounts and gave them to a campaign under the Republican Party banner. It turns out the affair is not Trump-Russia. It's Trump treason. It's the GOP giving the White House away to foreign powers, installing a paid agent of a dictatorship and covering it up at every turn for four years. There has never been a betrayal of this nation like it, and there never should be anything similar again. Justice should be utterly brutal for anyone who had any part in this matter. I wanted to focus on this story for this episode because in a week with the campaign going on and all the chaos, it's hard to take a look at any one thing. This is the most important story that has come out about Donald Trump. This shows how he was owned. And I think no honest person can deny this. He was paid $10 million by a foreign nation run by a military dictator. He lied about it. He covered it up. It enabled other nations to own him and control him while he occupied the White House. That's not up for debate. This is not about what Facebook did. This is not about how receptive was any one person to propaganda. This is, could he have continued his campaign without the $10 million from a dictator? Probably not. They were worried about where the money was going to come from. And it magically appeared from a hostile foreign nation state. And apparently... Not Deutsche Bank or laundered through a golf course, but from a bank that says it's really part of the Egyptian government, right to him personally, and right to a GOP campaign for president, that won. There are thousands of other felonies, improprieties, treasons that went into this affair. But that one thing, I think you can explain to every voter, and you should. A dictatorship gave Donald Trump, because he's broke as a joke. He don't got money. He needed money. He's a money launderer. He passes it on. He, he goes bankrupt so someone else can take a tax, tax break or whatever. He's a mob money launderer. He's broke. He doesn't own anything. So he took a $10 million bribe from a foreign dictatorship himself and then they owned him that's the show thanks and stay frosty